Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Debbie Bloyd. She's the president of DLB Financial Services uh, based in College Station, Texas. She's also the host of a radio show called Money Strategies with Debbie. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Hi, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. So just give us a brief uh, kind of uh, history of where you are and the services you offer and and how you kind of got to where you are these days. Well, thanks, Jordan. Um, I started in the mortgage business about 21 years ago now, and that was a huge change for me uh, to really be able to help people get into the homes of their dreams. I've been in a home building business before that and basically just sold homes. Um, so this is a much more intricate type of job than that. I've always had a money background. I've got a minor in college and business, and I started taking care of my mom's estate when my parents got divorced when I was really young. So I was 16 or 17 when I started on this journey with money. So now flash forward to 21 years later in the mortgage business, I have seen just about everything. I have to help people with their credit. I have to figure out, you know, what they can qualify for. I also got into the financial advising business just because that was just a natural offshoot of the mortgage business that I do. When you qualify someone for a loan, you have to look at all their financial information. And a lot of times I noticed people weren't doing the right thing with their money. They didn't have it invested correctly. They had it in either too stable of investments that weren't not in earning them any type of income, and it was is not much better than a, a savings account. So over the years, I have moved people into different aspects of their investments and really helped fine-tune someone's um, whole financial picture. So now I handle mortgages. I handle insurance. Um, I had an insurance agency with my ex-husband for about 15 years, so I kept those insurance licenses. So so now I can give a clear, clear, clear overall financial picture for a family and help take them from everything from buying a home to long-term care to legacy planning with their estate. Very good. We're going to get into all these in some detail during the show here. Uh, but what is, you would say, the biggest issue that you have that your clients bring you these days? Probably just not understanding the way money works. They don't understand the importance of compound interest. They don't understand the stock market very well. They certainly don't understand their credit uh, and how to qualify for loans. So when I first got on the radio, it was back in 2007, I thought that, you know, after the, the meltdown of 2008, it would, you know, I would just seem to be on the radio for a while. I would line everybody out and tell them how to take care of their credit and what's more important and, and how to qualify. And here I am 11 years later and um, that, that still hasn't happened. We still have a huge learning curve in America when it comes to regards to our money. So let's start with the housing market where you've spent a lot of your time, the mortgage and the housing market. Uh, I mean, some right. people would say it's a very hot housing market now. And in fact, there's a shortage of supply and bidding wars. Right. Is that your impression of the way things are going? I mean, interest rates have risen here. So is it going to slow down as mortgage rates keep going up or is it going to remain hot? I think it's going to remain hot. The mortgage rates, you know, you, you look at a, a quarter of a point amortized over 30 years, that's not a huge number to go up, maybe two or $300. Uh, 
And what we're looking at are families that have been on the sidelines for a long time uh, trying to buy their first house or they're um, upsizing for, because of a growing family or they're downsizing because they're retiring. But either way, a quarter of a point is not going to make or break the market. What I'm finding is that people have to, if they're first-time homebuyers, they've really got to decide quickly what they want because the shortage is real out there. Um, and, and, you know, homebuyers are a little different than they have been in the last decade. Uh, we are more of an instantaneous gratification uh, people at the moment, and nobody wants to buy old homes and fix them up. Nobody wants to buy a home and renovate anymore. If they can buy a brand-new pretty one, um, those those crafts are not being handled by home buyers that much anymore. Everybody wants a move-in ready, beautiful home, and they're going to have to pay for that. I mean, there are still a lot of homes on the market. And, of course, real estate, as you know, George, in the different markets, you have a, a, a shortage of investors and first-time home buyers are still vying for the same home. They're in the same price range, which means that investors can come in if they have cash, offer for cash, buyers always accept that offer before they want to wait 30 days to do the financing. So what would you recommend for somebody who is a first-time home buyer, as you say, is now competing with investors, either individuals or institutions, who are coming in with all cash? Is it a danger that they overbid and, and stretch themselves too much to get the home? Or what kind of advice do you give to home buyers in that situation? Well, you know, when the house is appraised, it comes in at a value. And what we're seeing is this bidding war that goes on between first-time homebuyers and investors are driving those um, numbers for the sale up. It doesn't necessarily drive the appraisal up. So if the appraisal comes back like at 200000 and you have buyers and investors wanting to pay and jack the price up to two hundred five or two ten, the first-time homebuyer has to make up the difference the loan will not do that. If the house is appraised at 200, the loan is not going to take it into consideration 210, which is the asking price. So the home buyers would have to bring in that extra $10,000. That doesn't work well with first-time home buyers. They usually do not have an onslaught of money sitting there at the sideline where they can raise more money for their down payment and closing other than go get gifts. So what we're seeing is investors get those houses in a bidding war. Also, first-time homebuyers have to be pre-approved so that when they start making bids, that that money um, is already set aside in their mind. They, they know they've been pre-approved through a lender like myself, and we write a letter saying that they're pre-approved, their agent has it, we make it property address specific, so that way when it, it is offered, the buyers do know, okay, I've got someone that is ready to buy. They've already been pre-approved. That means I've looked at their taxes. I've looked at their pay stubs. I've pulled credit. They're a worthy candidate. If not, it will go to the cash buyers every time. Do you think some people stretch too much and, uh, you know, as you say, get gifts or end up in those bidding wars and it, it ends up being a right. mistake financially for them because they've just stretched themselves too much? Um, uh, you know, the, the, the bidding wars are makes everybody nervous for first-time home buyers because they don't understand the back and forth of it all. Um, the other thing too is it's really hard for uh, second or third-time homeowners to be in bidding wars right now because they don't understand that either. They came from an environment five, seven, ten years ago when they bought their their prior house that 
they got to dictate everything. It was a buyer's market back then, and they could negotiate, and they could get some closing costs paid for, and, and they could get a survey paid for maybe, or um, some uh, seller concessions. So those people are having trouble buying homes. They have to be directed that that's, that's not the same environment anymore. You're not going to get help with closing costs. You're going to have to bid at the asking price. You don't get to bid under. These people 10, 15 years ago, you know, a $250,000 house, they could bid 230 and get it. That is not the environment that we're in today. So even they are having problems, and we have to, as mortgage lenders, prompt our, uh, our, our first-time buyers or second-time or third-time buyers that this is a different buying environment right now. Now you have to pay what they're asking. So how are mortgage standards, as far as getting people through the process of pre-approval for a loan, how is that different than before the financial crisis? And is it going to stay relatively tight the way it is, or do you think it's going to loosen up over time? Well, we were hoping that Dodd-Frank, there are certain rulings in Dodd-Frank that we could be rolled back that Congress set into place after the downfall of the economy in 2008. Those don't seem to be happening very fast, if at all. So it's gotten approved in in, uh, the Senate. It may not get approved the same way in Congress. So the financial world is just sitting there. What that did for us is it it really tightened up the restraints. A lot of the loan products that we had before are gone. There are no longer stated loans, which meant that we uh, now have to have tax returns for everybody. Uh, It should have probably always been that way. But there are just so many ways. If you had good credit, that meant to the credit bureaus and to the lenders that you weren't going to default on your mortgage, that you had good credit, you were going to keep paying your bills. So to make things go faster, we did not ask for tax returns. So underwriting was much easier, much faster. Now the problem is we have to have tax returns. For everything. Well, you know, a lot of people are self-employed in this country, Jordan, and they write a lot of things off on their taxes. So the government clamped down and changed the way we underwrite loans. Now we have to have taxes for everybody, good credit or bad credit. So that's really hindering our people that have disposable income that would be investors because you can only own so many properties and the numbers don't work anymore. Your income has to be more. You have to have more in savings to qualify under these standards. While that's not bad, it's truly good for the bank, it, it allows people um, to not be able to put all their money to use because, like the banks, they have to keep a large percentage of the money on the sideline in a, a CD or in a savings account or an investment account, but, but that it has to stay there as a cushion in case their investors, if they're investors, in case their tenants don't pay. So we're tighter with what we allow through underwriting, which does slow down the whole process. Do you think that the new tax law, which limits uh, mortgage interest deductions and state uh, income tax deductions to $10,000, is going to negatively impact uh, the uh, housing market, or is it going to change people moving from high-tax states to low-tax states? What is the impact going to be of that law? Well, I think we already see a trend, Jordan, of people moving to uh, uh, states and cities where the taxes are less. Uh, even within, you know, a, a two or three hundred mile radius, people are migrating towards the cities that have lower tax bills, or they'll live in a part of town and work in a higher tax area. So we are seeing that happen in states. More companies are relocating to states that they don't have to pay as many taxes as well. So their employees are happier, get to keep more money. We're going to continue to see that. Everybody 
still has the American dream of owning their home. There's just something different about a person that moves from a renter to a homeowner. They have pride of ownership. They usually live in nicer areas, and they... You know, the, the home is still the core of our family. So, yeah, you, you rather than live in apartments, you would rather rent a home so you feel like you're part of that, especially of you pets and everything. Um, but you have better schools. It's just better all around. That is still the American dream for these millennials. The problem is it's taking them a lot longer to save up the money to put down in these places. And they're not thinking so much about the taxes because they have never really made their choices based on taxes, like some of our older generation clients do. You know, a lot of older people are used to the tax returns being the same way over the last 30 years. So for them, if the mortgage tax goes away uh, or if that write-off goes away, um, they kind of, um, I want to say hyperventilate or freak out that they're going to have to start paying more money in taxes. But that's just the state of the economy today. So I think everybody's having to change what they think. The good thing about the first-time homebuyers coming up is they don't know any difference. They don't yes. remember when interest rates were 10%. So they're kind of freaked out, though, that rates are going to edge up in the fives now because yeah, they, different... they grew up in the threes. <laughs> right, exactly. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Debbie Bloyd. She is the president of DLB Financial Services based in College Station, Texas. She also is the host of a radio show uh, called Money Strategies with Debbie. Her website is moneystrategieswithdebbie.com. We'll be back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Looking for an investment option? Consider Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. Secured Real Estate Income Strategies is a real estate-backed option offering investments with a monthly income objective. The goal of the strategy is to lend money to real estate developers. SREIS offers an 8% preferred return per annum, plus a share in any profits. While there is risk, including loss of capital, and you should carefully read the offering circular for full details, Secured Real Estate Income Strategies screens each real estate loan carefully. Call 888-444-2102 or visit securedrealestatefunds.com to learn more. 888-444-2102. 
Jordan Goodman is an advisor to and part owner in Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. This does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities. Securities offered through North Capital Private Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Debbie Bloyd. She's the president of DLB Financial Services based in College Station, Texas. She's also the host of a radio show, called Money Strategies with Debbie. Her website is moneystrategieswithdebbie.com. Welcome back to the show, Debbie. Hi, thank you. So one of the areas you work in is insurance. So let's briefly go through some things people should know in the insurance field. Let's start with life insurance. Do you find most people have enough life insurance, too much? Do they have the appropriate uh, mix of term and cash value? What are some of the things you're seeing in the life insurance area these days? Well, life insurance is tricky. Um, a lot of people buy life insurance stored in because of the dollar amount they can afford or they feel they can afford every month. So when um, their kids are growing up, that's really the imperative time to have a term policy. But what happens is a lot of people just keep renewing those term policies and they get to be, you know, we're, we're aging, we're growing older now than ever. What they're finding is they're outliving their current policy. So if you're in your 40s and you take out a 30-year term policy, you know, you have to die, Jordan, within that term or the policy does not pay off, right? That's how life insurance works. If you buy a term, it, it just it will run out, and then you're in your mid-70s, and you're like, wow, I have paid on this policy for 30 years, and, and now what do I have to show for it? Well, you don't have anything because you didn't die. So the good news is you didn't die. The bad news is, you don't have anything to renew or you have as cash value. So I think people need to be a little bit wiser when they're looking at insurance policies and understand what the parameters are of those policies. The cheaper policy will run out at the end of the term. But what happens then is that there's enough people um, that don't have a way to uh, get insurance after that policy runs out simply because, they're too old or they've had a life-threatening illness, cancer, heart attack, stroke, and they can't get affordable insurance now. So they've kind of missed the boat. The, the other thing that I see is that they think that life insurance is somehow going to pay for long-term care or Alzheimer's or um, other issues that it's not. Uh, they really need to understand what their policies are for and understand that there's no way that those policies pay off any different than what it states in the policy. So I think a lot of people are getting older and they're like, you know, I should have done this 10 years ago. And they're missing their window of when they can change the type of policies that they have. So in the cash value, it sounds like you're saying you should have some term, but some cash value policy starting at a younger age. Which kind of cash value policy? Why? Or... 
Do you, do you like? Do you want Go whole ahead. life, uh, variable life, index universal? What what uh, kind of cash value life insurance do you t- t- typically recommend? Well, I mean, I think it, I try to figure out what the family is really looking for this policy to do. So there is a time when you can say, okay, my life insurance, I don't need to pay that life insurance premium anymore. Now I need something that covers me for critical care. It might need to cover you. Um, you need a different policy for long-term care. And basically you cancel one policy and pick up another. It's always better for you to have a policy that's cash value somehow. That way you have cash value that you can go to when you need it, and then you can use it for long-term care. If you typically buy just a regular term policy, again, that doesn't pay off until you die. Most of us are living longer than ever now. When we have a heart attack or stroke, we need different, we need more money for different kinds of care. We're not typically dying like we did before. Um, what is important, though, is that when you are growing up and you have little kids in the house or you're a stay-at-home mom or a dad and only one of the family members is working, the other ones are staying home with the kids, that you have enough insurance to cover living expenses and it's going to cost more than you think. So a $100,000 policy doesn't get you anything, really. Um, what you're needing is a half a million dollars, a million dollars, because that money is coming to you upon the death after taxes. So no taxes are taking out. But, you know, to, to support a family, if you have two or three kids and they're little, that's going to take a lot of money. So you, you better buy a policy that's worth the money. Buy a half million dollars. Buy a million dollars. It's going to spend faster than you think. Yeah. So that's kind of on the term side. But because most people couldn't afford a million dollar cash value policy if they're young. So right, for the, right, right. For the cash value, do you like index universal life, variable, whole life? What I, kind of do you like? I do. I think, I think it really goes down to the person. What I try to do is explain what each of these concepts are and where they might use that. Like, why would you utilize whole versus universal? And these are the scenarios. And then the people probably do better picking for themselves. That way, I mean, I, sometimes I think they need a lot more than they need, but ultimately that is their decision. A, a lot of people hear rumors. And so what I spend a lot of my time doing is just educating people on different types of uh, products so they know what the definition is and how it pays off. A lot of people don't think, and this is, I think, where the problem is, Jordan, they never think they're going to need it. It's never going to happen to me. And, you know, they've done a study that, that when you do a financial advice for people, if you could just somehow take their picture and age that picture 20 years down the road so they see their old self, what is that old self going to want? We are still young at 50. We don't see ourselves being 80 and 90 like our, our parents are. So it's really hard for uh, people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s to ever imagine themselves in their 70s and 80s. Well, uh, let's let's switch to health insurance. So we've had a lot of turmoil on the health insurance market. The mandate has pretty much gone away. So what kind of health insurance policies can people get today that they can afford? Because premiums have been going up a lot. They they have. Again, it's going to be what type of family do they have and what things they need to have covered. You know, there's a lot of uh, companies either on the exchange um, or that you can just shop for online that shows you how to insure your family against 
certain things. But, you know, you got to read those policies carefully because if you have someone with diabetes or high blood pressure uh, or they've had a prior stroke or heart attack, there's exclusions with all those things. So something that is becoming very popular are these medical sharing companies. You've heard them advertise uh, yes. medical share. Um, me- there's also a, a Liberty Healthcare that is um, not like a regular healthcare policy, but they all have ways to buy in to uh, kind of like a co-op, for a lack of a better term, where they share medical expenses. That is becoming very hot, and it's becoming super affordable for families. Um, some of these populations are Christian-based. Some of them require that you realize what the company's will cover as a medical-based expense and what they won't. So some of these com- this is this goes along religious lines now. So some companies are religious-based, other companies are not. Uh, but it's a medical sharing bill program. So they readily accept a lot more people, Jordan, uh, but there are conditions to that acceptance. You don't pay um, high premiums or deductibles like you think. Every Everyone's a little different of how they structure those. But it can be a really, like a family of five, you pay for an a individual or a family. That, that's it. If you have two kids or five kids, it's the same cost. Those things are becoming huge, huge with families that are larger because they can cover a multitude of things. That The only difference is there to fine print. What will it cover and what will it not? It scares people because it's a new concept, even though the concept has been out there for about 20 years. So what would be, say, two of your favorite medical sharing programs that you're referring to? Um, I think Liberty has a really good one. It's not uh, faith-based um, as much as MediShare is. Uh, so it depends on what your values are as a Christian. Uh, there are some companies out there that, of course, will not pay for abortions unless it is a period. And then others would only do it if it was like a faith-based. Uh, uh, were you raped? Were, was it incest? Was there different things? A lot of yeah. them do not provide birth control at all uh, and is not covered because uh, they're preaching abstinence. So uh, it will not cover for an unwed pregnancy. So if you have a, a daughter that is younger and that may be the road she's on, um, it would not cover any of those expenses. So yeah. you really, but like, you know, for me, I, I, I've, I've already had my kids, uh, my, my children aren't, uh, they're teenagers, but they have different moral values. And I think something like that would be fine for them because they're not in that position to start with. So can't help so just, just to be it clear, it would have to be on my ticket or their ticket. So yes. it really comes down to what are you looking at when it comes to the fine print? There are no uh, deductibles to this. That's where the beauty comes in. There, And also, it is one price for the family. That, again, is where the beauty comes in. A family of five is much more affordable than on the open, uh, typical insurance plan where you're covering and you've got a six to $10,000 deductible. You're paying co-pays. This is not how MediShare right companies work at all. Very good. Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Debbie Bloyd. Uh, she is the president of DLB Financial Services based in College Station, Texas. She also is a host of a radio show called Money Strategies with Debbie. Her website is moneystrategieswithdebbie.com. We'll be back after this. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Debbie Bloyd. She is the president of DLB Financial Services based in College Station, Texas. She's also the author, the uh, host of a radio show called Money Strategies with Debbie. Her website for that, moneystrategieswithdebbie.com. Welcome back to the show, Debbie. Thanks so much for having me back. So I just want you to give out the two websites for the two medical sharing programs you mentioned just so people can follow up on that. Sure. I think it will be metashare.com and libertyhealthshare.com. Great. Very good. All right, let's go to retirement now. So you're concerned a lot of people are not saving enough for retirement, and they're going to outlive their retirement savings. What advice do you give to clients who are in that circumstance? Say they're in their 40s and 50s. They still have some time to do something about it, uh, but they're clearly not saving enough. What do you help? How do you help people uh, do better on that front? Well, what I try to do, Jordan, is, is look at people's whole financial picture. You know, so many times 
they have a mortgage lender that they go and visit, and then they go to a financial advisor, and then they go to a different insurance person, and nobody has all the puzzle pieces in front of them. They all have just their little portion. So what I try to look at is, you know, there are three buckets of money that we have. The first bucket of money is where you have your income coming from. That can be your job, W-2 income or self-employed income, your pension if you have one, and your Social Security money. Those are the typical types of income that we see. The second bucket of money that you have are your investments, your IRAs, your 401Ks, any stocks that you have. And the third bucket is your home. And that has always been, I guess applauded that your home is paid off free and clear by the time you get to retirement. What we're seeing now, Jordan, is people have put a lot of money in that bucket three. They may have a paid off home that's three or $400,000. The problem is it's taken money out of bucket two and money away from bucket one. So the money went straight to their $400,000 house. It didn't get to be invested in bucket two at all. And now that they're retired, bucket one is dwindling. So bucket one, for most people, when they go into retirement, they they think of, okay, I'm going to live off my Social Security money, and maybe I have a pension. But what they're finding out is there's a money shortfall. They don't have enough to pay the taxes on their house, the insurance, living expenses, um, travel, food, uh, going out, dry cleaners, all that stuff. And they're starting to pull out money out of bucket two as a supplement. What that does is that that pulls down your investment for the rest of your life. So as soon as you start pulling money out of that bucket two, you're making less for your future. So sometimes people don't get very creative with that. So what we're seeing now is a lot more people are implementing a reverse mortgage than ever before because that takes the money from bucket three and lets you allow to pull cash out of your house, not make any more payments, and then put that money back into bucket one and two. Bucket one for a living, you can withdraw money every month like a salary. And bucket two, you can take that money and invest it or buy rental properties or commercial properties that actually have an income-producing source. What we're finding is people don't want to have money stored up so much. What they need is income. So when they come to me and they're in their 50s when they're getting ready to retire or looking at retirement, it comes down to how much money do you need to live on every month? And people don't typically think like that. They're thinking they're going to retire and they're going to want to do all these fabulous things, yet they don't have the income stream out of bucket one to use that money. They're going to start pulling out of bucket two. And then it, what happens if you get rid of all the money in bucket two, you have nothing, you've saved all that for your whole life. That's where you invest. That's where the money grows from. It's like killing the goose, of, you know, laid the golden egg. You can't do away with that money. So we've got to find more ways to get a stream of income for our seniors. That's why we see so many people going back to work or starting on another career at 60 is because they don't want to touch their investments. Their house may or may not be paid off, and they need more money to live on than they anticipate. Or they've had a health problem in their 50s or 60s that they never anticipated, and that made them retire. Well, now they come to me with the pieces, and they're all permanently in place. There's nothing that we can work on to make it better. I'm just seeing people are not planning for the unexpected. Of course, that's why it's unexpected. When is it appropriate to do a reverse mortgage, and when is it not appropriate to do a reverse mortgage in those circumstances where they've depleted bucket one and two, as you put it? 
Well, you know, I, I'm doing, I've been doing reverse mortgages for 10 years, and they've gotten a bad rap. Um, they are now, um, there's an investment section of your home equity uh, conversion loan, your, your reverse mortgage, where you can actually grow money It's in with an index fund. So it's like a line of credit. You don't pull all the money out of your house. You leave some money sitting there, and it makes over 5%. Jordan, and there's no stock market problems like that money going down the drain when the stock market drops. So it is becoming a wealth of part of your financial plan now. A lot of people don't understand how they work, and they are shocked to think that this has been in existence. But actually, the laws changed a few years ago, and this hasn't been around forever. This is a new component to reverse mortgages. After the age of 62, we start looking for ways to get more money set aside for emergencies because what people are seeing is their health may be different than what they thought. Their investments may not have been making what they thought they were going to make. And now they're looking for an income stream. That's really where a reverse mortgage can help. So I see clients that um, the biggest part of their equity part is their home, not their mutual funds and investments. So a lot of people have tried to pay off their home as a good investment. But then what they realize is, they have no way to access that money. So if you needed money for to put your spouse in the long-term care, let's say, uh, you don't have enough money to take it out of your IRA or your 401Ks, the biggest asset you have is your home. A reverse mortgage is a great way to keep you in your home, take the money out that you need to take care of someone else as they age in an Alzheimer's unit or uh, aided assisted living or something like that. So that's what we see it for now. Yeah. Let's talk about another big problem these days, which is student loan debt. People are graduating with huge amounts of student loan debt. Not only the students, but the parents and sometimes even the grandparents have a huge amount of student loan debt. What do you recommend in the first place? Do you try to help people not get into so much debt in the first place? Or if they come to you with a, a lot of student loan debt, how do you help them there? Well, there are companies that can. Once you have the student loan debt and you've gone through school, I have a lot of first-time homebuyers that have a lot of student loan debt. There are reputable companies out there to help you consolidate those loans and get them from a lower interest rate. What I try to do with families is when they have, when they come to me when they have young kids, is set up like what I did for my kids, a 529 plan, so that the money grows uh, tax-deferred in there, and then they can use that to help defer bills. Also, you know, there is kind of a trick to the student loan problem that uh, nobody explains to you. And I, I finally had a student loan uh, debt company do an interview with me once, and they said, you know, if you take out a student loan in your student's name, not the parent's name, so I would get this loan in my child's name, the interest does not start accruing until six months when that child is out of college. So rather than take out a student loan debt as a parent, and have it in your name where the interest starts accruing maybe at 6% right then, you can defer all that just by having it in your student's name. That, that gives you four and a half more years to save up the money to be able to pay that debt off with them after they graduate. So there is a better way to borrow money. The other thing I see people doing is doing cash-out refinances on their home to pay for students to go to college or to help with the student loan debt issue. And that's really tough because I don't like to see anyone, you know, there's, there's a loan for student loans. There's not a loan for retirement. 
So you're right. you're beating away that that golden egg that's going to help you in retirement, and you're sacrificing it for your kids going to college. When there's acceptable, great ways to get money from um, interest with their kid's name on it rather than uh, jeopardize their retirement with the security they have and that equity in their home. So I just see people trying to grab money from anywhere, and they don't want to take on debt. Well, yeah, that's part of the problem, Jordan. We have to be smart on the debt we take on. If you can keep your money invested in the IRA or in the market within stocks or mutual funds, and you're getting a, you know, the last few years we've had great run on the stock market. We've had, I've seen, you know, mutual funds go up 20%, and that's not uncommon uh, depending on the mutual funds that you're invested in. Why would you ever take money out of those things making 12 8 10% to, um, to, to not have student loan debt when you're paying six. We just, people don't run the numbers. They don't understand that sometimes borrowing money for a student loan debt is actually better than liquidating that IRA or 401k money that they're going to need in their retirement. And it's actually been making really good money. You know, when you pull that money out, it stops making money in the financial venue that it's in. And then you're missing all that compound interest. It's kind of the opportunity cost of having that money invested for you. But if the stock market had turned right. down, you wouldn't feel that way. But if the stock market keeps going up, right, right. there is an opportunity cost and, and there. so far, yes. it's kept going up. But I do see that, I mean, what I, my fund managers at Guggenheim and Oppenheimer and some of the mutual fund companies that come and talk to us, um, they aren't preparing uh, for a downturn. You know, the market's been doing really, 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 really well. <laughs> and it's not going to continue. It's going to go down. So I think... We don't see the signs of that yet. I think we're maybe a year and a half, two years away from any of those long-term adjustments coming. We may have a, 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 an occasional drop of 10%, and then it goes back up. I mean, you, but the whole, whole world freaks out when our market just adjusts 10%. We are going to have a really big correction. The problem is if you take your money out now, anticipating that drop, You've lost, like you said, an opportunity cost of that money actually making more money for you. So my money is all in. All my clients' money is all in. And it will stay all in until we start seeing the market go down a little bit. And then we'll either move to safer things if that's what my clients want to be in. But for me, my time horizon is so far out. I'm 53. I've got years for it to go up and down again. So I'm going to stay fully in. Very good. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Debbie Bloyd. She's the president of DLB Financial Services based in College Station, Texas. She also has a radio show called Money Strategies with Debbie, and that is her website, moneystrategieswithdebbie.com. We'll be back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Has your small business been turned down for a loan by the bank? Is lack of capital hindering your business growth? Small businesses unable to obtain bank financing or tired of merchant cash advances can now get the financing they need. Corporate Lending Solutions provides short and long-term capital, revolving lines of credit, and unsecured business loans. Does your business need help with payables, supplies, or payroll? Corporate Lending Solutions has powerful programs to help. 
While getting a small business loan can be a long, daunting process, with corporate lending solutions, it's simple and takes only one to three days. Call 800-261-6478 or visit CorporateLendingSolutions.com to learn more. 800-261-6478. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. We've all been there, struggling to keep up with credit card payments, searching for a simpler, safer way out of debt. Well, here it is. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a nonprofit service that has been helping people reduce or eliminate their credit card debt for over 20 years. Most of us have made late payments and even gone over our credit limits. Before we know it, our balances are out of control and we can barely afford to make the minimum payments. If this sounds familiar and you're ready to take control of your debts, call Cambridge right away at 1-800-897-2200 for a debt-free analysis. Cambridge will work with your creditors and may be able to reduce your interest rates and get you out of debt fast. In fact, Cambridge's typical debt management clients save almost $150 every month on their credit card payments, and they're debt-free in just 50 months. So there is a simpler, safer way out of debt, and it all starts with Cambridge Credit Counseling. Call 1-800-897-2200 for your free debt analysis. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a Massachusetts-based nonprofit agency providing services nationwide. For complete licensing information, visit them online at cambridge-credit.org. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Debbie Bloyd. She's the president at DLB Financial Services based in College Station, Texas. Uh, She has a radio show as well uh, called Money Strategies with Debbie. And that is her website, moneystrategieswithdebbie.com. Welcome back to the show, Debbie. Hi. So you have a financial radio show. Uh, you hear other financial radio shows, and you, you have a particular take on them. What should people watch out for when they're listening to other financial radio shows, not yours? Well, well I think, Jordan, what happens is uh, people view uh, people on the radio as the ultimate authority, and they don't know what their credentials are, or if they're licensed, and what that even means. You know, it it is not uncommon for people to talk about things and to write books about things that they're not licensed to write and talk about. Anybody can give you their opinion of what they need to do with money and finances. So my, my take is always, are they practicing in the business? Do they own the things that they're talking about themselves? And how far out of date is that information? Is it, is it reality or not? And what I find a lot of times are um, these radio show hosts that you can listen to, uh, whether it's regionally or nationally, have a different take on some of the money issues, and they're not real life. You know, none of my people can pay cash for a house. A lot of my home buyers, even buying four and $500,000 homes, are not putting the 20% down. 
uh, like it's urged to do. Now, is that optimal? Sure. Uh, but do, does everybody have the money to put 20% down to purchase a home? No, they don't. So if you're, uh, I always tell people that you need to consider the source. So when they listen to it, there's a lot of real estate shows that are on regionally and nationally that talk about how to buy a home and you need to have um, 20% down or you're wasting your money. Well, no, it's called mortgage insurance, and, and that's just like saying you can't have a car unless you pay cash for it. People recommend that as well. But that's not reality for most people. They only have so much income cash coming in. They can't possibly pay for everything and what these hosts want them to do is do without, do with less. And that's just not common sense in today's world, not with the way cars. Super, oh, my gosh, have you priced a car lately? Super expensive, even the used cars. So, yeah, sometimes you have to take financing out. Um, just make sure you, if you've got good credit, you can still get really low rates of finance, uh, whether it's a car or a house. If your credit's not so good, you're going to pay the price. You also see on TV a lot of these house flipping shows that make it look like it's really easy. You buy some dilapidated place, fix it up, flip it within a few days for big profits. Do you think that's as easy to do as they make it look like on TV? No, I, I'm a member of several investor groups, and I go and talk to people about flipping houses. And once you get in these groups, you'll find people that say, you know, I made money on this one. I didn't make money on that one. I didn't make money. I didn't make as much as I thought. I ran into more problems um, once we started tearing the house apart and, and we had to redo all the electrical or all the plumbing. I mean, it, you're, you're not using pretend money. You're using real earned income money that you've already paid tax on. So, Or you're getting a construction loan and you're paying interest on that loan. You can't afford, most people can't afford to have um, out of four homes that they flip, only one of them make money. They're not going to be in the business very long. So what you see is a lot of people entering above their head. Like, I have no business, Jordan, flipping homes. I'm not a plumber. I'm not an electrician. That's not my gift. And although I can um, have these contractors come in, I, I have to know what I'm looking at or, I, or I'm going to get caught not being able to flip the house. Or I'll have to keep the house and put renters in it. So it depends on what you want to do with it. Uh, renting, ready, buying houses, fixing them up, and putting renters in them is a great way. It's part of the, any professional portfolio is to own real estate. Um, a lot of people would rather own real estate in a REIT, uh, like a mutual fund, and that company buys and sells real estate. You don't have to. But I'm not in a position right now where I want to be woken up with tenants, if well, there's a water leak or there's, you know, there's, a, you know, something goes wrong with the house and a storm comes over and now you've got to re-roof it and insurance won't pay or whatever. There's a lot of variables. And that's why I think people get caught. They want to do it on a shoestring and nobody that's a good financial person would ever recommend that. If I'm not yeah. a, a plumber or a tile layer um, or it's one of those trades that can actually uh, do the work for below cost, it doesn't always cash flow. It's very risky. Yeah. Let's talk briefly about estate planning. So part of the tax law was raising the exemptions dramatically to like $11 million for people. So some people say, well, I'm never going to pay estate taxes, so I don't really need to do much estate planning. Uh, what kind of estate planning is necessary now that the exemptions are so much higher? Well, you know, the investments that we have. So when you, when you plan for an estate, what's in an estate? your home, and your investment, typically, right? 
Now, that could be part of a company. Uh, but typically when people, um, we're talking estate planning, it's their business, their family business that's going to be gone down to the next generation. It might be a home or liquid assets. So what people come to me to do is figure out, okay, I've got to pay taxes on those investments. So if I were to die today, Jordan, I've got money in an IRA. Well, my kids are the beneficiaries on those IRAs because I'm not married. So it goes right to my kids. But my kids have to pay taxes if they pull that money out. So just because it doesn't fit with the estate tax doesn't mean that it's not going to be taxed as an asset. So what a lot of people come to me to do is figure out how to get those assets into something that is not taxable. So for families, if they don't need the IRAs and the 401ks anymore, what I recommend is they start buying insurance products. There's also annuities that that fit into so that that money, once it transfers into an insurance product, it now pays off to your heirs tax-free. That has nothing to do with the estate tax. It has everything to do with the asset being taxed. So, yes, you can inherit your parents' IRAs and 401Ks, but when you go to pull that money out, it hasn't been taxed yet. So rather than say, I'm giving my one child $500,000 and another child is the beneficiary of my $500,000 insurance plan, well, that benefit for the insurance is going to pay off tax-free the one that's invested in a 401k or an IRA is going to be taxed when it's taken out at 30%. So that child is not getting an equal amount of the other child. It is taxable, not the estate tax, just taxed as an asset. So what I help families do is move that into something that will be non-taxable. So they would sell some of their IRA and take the proceeds and buy a life insurance policy is what you're saying. Sure, or invest in an annuity, and and they take the taxes out on the front end, let that money grow, so then when it goes to their heirs, it does go tax-free then. So what I have done, just for me, for your listeners to know, is that instead of uh, getting a term policy, I had term policy when my kids were in school. They're now one's going to college and one's going to high school, uh, uh, the last year of high school. So now I am taking my money out of my IRA a little bit at a time because I figure tax rates are lower now than they're going to be 10 years from now. That's just my Debbie opinion. So I'm going to take some money out of that, and I have bought a, a life insurance critical care policy that will pay off if I'm diagnosed with cancer, stroke, heart attack. I have yeah. some access to that money. If I were to die, that premium is going to be paid for with that money, and it's going to go to my kids as a million-dollar policy tax-free. So I'm transferring the money in my lifetime when it's cheaper than them transferring it in theirs and getting less of an asset. Well, I hope they appreciate it. (laughs) Very good. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. (laughs) My guest this hour has been Debbie Bloyd. She is the president of VLB Financial Services based in College Station, Texas. She's also the host of a radio show called Money Strategies with Debbie. Her website is moneystrategieswithdebbie.com. Thanks so much for being a great guest on the Money Answer Show, Debbie. Thanks so much for having me. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.